now we are entering in a series that I'm even more excited about, the parables of Jesus. The stories of, that Jesus told were some of my favorite things and still are some of my favorite things to read. I think they tell us so many secrets of the kingdom and of the way Jesus works. See, we can only understand who God is and who the Old Testament, what the Old Testament tells us about God if we understand who Jesus is. Brian Zahn, the pastor that I uh, like to listen to, says this, Jesus is the perfect theology. For us to understand who Jesus is, we didn't get to walk with him. We can understand him through the stories and the parables that he told, through the words that are recorded in the Bible. I think by exploring this series over the next few months of the parables of Jesus, we are going to understand who God is. I think sometimes the parables get packaged up nicely as children's stories. We get to know them as we tell them to our children. They're neat and tidy. But truthfully, the parables are much more than that. And sometimes we miss some of the deeper meaning because we're used to the neat and the tidy children's Bible version. The one you can do crafts with. And we grow up still playing those things out in our head and not experiencing the story deeper. Jesus didn't tell his stories to children. He told his stories to adults. Those stories were a reality that had him hung on a cross. I think these stories have big implications for our lives, and they teach us a lot about the kingdom. So I'm excited as we start these, this series on a look at some ancient stories that I think will give us a refreshed viewpoint of who God is. This morning we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower. It's one of the first parables that Jesus tells. And perhaps it's one of them that every other parable can be hinged on. Before we read the scriptures, let's pray. Ease our minds before the Lord today. Lord God, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit. Come. Bring your presence. Won't distract our minds. Open our eyes. Open our ears to the implications and the revolutionary things that you say through your parables. Teach us the ways of the kingdom. Teach us to understand our Father in heaven through the words of your parables. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at Luke 8, like I said, the parable of the sower. If you got a Bible, we're going to be looking at Luke 8, 1 through 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you. And uh, it's maroon, says Holy Bible. You can join me on pages 1023 and 1024. We all know the parable of the sower is a story of a farmer who sowed seeds. One of my favorite stories of a farmer who sold seeds is the story of Johnny Appleseed. It's a story that we grew up with learning in our schools. And it's a little hard to tell the myth from the tale and the truth these days because they've been packaged so differently than what it really was. Growing up, I had this vision that Johnny Appleseed was this kind of hobo vagabond guy, which he was, and he just ate apples and he traveled from where he was born in Wilkesbury out west and just kind of ate the apple and threw seeds into cores and that's kind of where the trees get planted. I think that's how the Disney story tells it. It's just this idea that this man was so in love with apples that he just planted seeds everywhere 
by eating them and throwing the seeds. And truthfully, he was a whole different apple. <laughs> he was a little bit of a vagabond. He was a missionary of what some people may call a cult. But he was a simple man who wanted to know the ways of the kingdom. For him, living in poverty was one of those things. But the other way was his apples. The way that he could plant a little insignificant thing that many people spit out and that it grew up into a fruit that could feed many. He used the apple in many of his own parables as he traveled. Seeds have a way of telling us how little things can be big things. And Jesus is no different. Jesus uses the story of seeds in Luke 8 to teach us the ways of the kingdom, just like Johnny Appleseed did. I'm going to be reading Luke 8, 1 through 15. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, and whom seven demons had been come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of Harold's household, Harold's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air came and ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and then choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, and it yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples asked him what this parable meant. He, asked the, the, he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that through seeing they may not see, and through hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and perseverely produce a good crop. Luke isn't the only gospel that tells this story, but he's the only one that sets it up with such an introduction that it invites us to join Jesus on the journey. None of the other gospels quite share as much prelude information as Luke does. What we see here is Jesus is hitchhiking and sojourning and traveling across the country. He's cross-country walking and his disciples are with him. Some of uh, these ladies are with him and crowds are following him. 
Crowds are falling into an extent that he has to get on a boat and go to the other side. The introduction teaches us that we get to invite, we get to join Jesus on this journey. The one thing that we see in the introduction is this. Jesus chooses a hodgepodge of people to travel with. If you have a bulletin with you, I'm going to give you guys a few takeaway points that I think sometimes we miss in this parable. There's going to be five of them all together. You can follow along if you want to. But the first one is this. Jesus taught the knowledge and power of the kingdom through its earthly representation, which was made up of unique and unusual vagabonds and broken people. Jesus taught the knowledge and power of the kingdom through its earthly representation, which was made up of unique and unusual vagabonds and broken people. Jesus is traveling the countrysides and going town to town and village to village. And the people with him weren't society's finest. They weren't necessarily known as being the greatest people. There was a fisherman, a tax collector, some women who were once possessed by demons. These aren't necessarily the people that people wanted to hang out with. In fact, they usually were the people that were on the fringe. They were the vagabonds. They were broken people. And for the Pharisees and those who were pursuing the law, they wanted to have it all together. And it was physically obvious that these people didn't have it all together. They were either slaves to their sin or slaves to their societal status. Of course, he had his hodgepodge 12 with him. He had uh, all their various backgrounds and baggage with him. But he also had some women. Luke draws us to this for a reason, I believe. First, we see that we had Mary, who's called Magdalene, from whom seven demons was casted out. Jesus removed demons from her. Then there was Joanna, Herod's uh, household manager's wife. And then we had someone who merely gets mentioned as Susanna. There's other women that are there as well, the Bible says. For these women to travel along with Jesus meant they were stepping out of their societal slavesness. They were enslaved to a certain ideal of what they should be doing, but by traveling with Jesus, that was one of the things that they shouldn't be doing. We see here that Jesus pulls a hodgepodge of people with him. They weren't only along for the ride, but these women were also huge supporters of Jesus. It actually says that they were the financial means to supporting Jesus and the ministry. It was this group, the hodgepodge 12 with their brokenness and their baggage, and these women who stepped out of their norm to follow Jesus and support Jesus, that Jesus decided to bring the kingdom through. When he was telling this story, this parable, it was these people that were standing next to him second thing we see is that as Jesus begins to tell this parable, we see that he finds creative ways to be intentional and missional to those present around him. He told parables as the way as a way to permeate kingdom truth in the surrounding culture. Jesus found creative ways to be intentional and missional to those present around him. He told parables as a way to permeate kingdom truth in 
surrounding cultures. Jesus was moving on from crowd to crowd, from town to town, but the crowds were also moving with him. So Jesus, being the intentional and missional guy that he was, he tells a story to those who were present with him. Jesus was a great orator. He was a storyteller. He told stories as a way to both reveal truth and conceal truth from his listeners. He told stories in a way that the people listening would understand it or be able to shrug it off. Understanding his parables was all on the receptivity of those who were listening. We see Jesus tell his disciples this when they demand that they, he explain the parables to them. He says, I tell this so that those who don't want to listen won't hear. Sometimes I think maybe we should stand less on pedestals and with Bible tracts in hand and learn to tell the stories that Jesus told. Those who it doesn't apply, as they used to say in the 80s, they'll let it fly. We see that Jesus tells a story about a farmer. Not everyone that would have been on the hillsides with him that day and following him was a farmer. Some were urban, some were suburban, some were rural. But telling the story of a guy who goes out to sow his seed is something they would have all understood because they all depended on farmers. Some of them would have been farmers and the rest were de uh, dependent on them. Their culture was one that depended on farmers and knew the farming lifestyle. We see that Jesus says the farmer goes out to sow his seed. We see that sowing a seed is a tiresome reality of walking the hillsides and the fields and just littering seed and pouring it out in hopes of a successful crop. In some ways it's like the myth of Johnny Appleseed who just threw apple seeds everywhere he went and hoped that apples sprung up where they did. In essence, here we see Jesus is comparing himself to the farmer. Often we read this parable as a moment of checking our hearts, a moment where we say, okay, where is the soil of our heart? And that is a huge reality of this passage. But we also see this. Jesus is comparing himself to the farmer. He said, Jesus, he said the farmer is going out to the hillside to plant his seed. Jesus was doing the very same thing the farmers were doing. He was going out to plant seeds of the kingdom. It's with that that we see our next point. Jesus scattered the seeds of the kingdom as he walked the towns, villages, and hillsides. Jesus scattered seeds of the kingdom as he walked the towns, villages, and hillsides. These people were gathered there. They were listening to him tell stories about a farmer who sowed his seed. I'm not sure how many of them would have actually understood that he was talking about himself. N.T. Wright says this quote. It should come up next. There we go. But of course what Jesus was doing was not commenting on farming problems, but explaining the strange way in which the kingdom was arriving. But of course what Jesus was doing was not commenting on farming problems, but explaining the strange way in which the kingdom of God was arriving. So using his vagabonds, he told a creative story that he knew would appeal to his audience. He was present to the culture that was around him, and he knew how to speak the kingdom into it. He planted seeds of the kingdom creatively in the culture. At the same time, he was telling them how the kingdom of God was arriving. 
He was telling them how the kingdom of God works. He was telling them what his father had him doing as he went through the hillsides planting seeds of the kingdom. Jesus scattered seeds of the kingdom as he walked the towns, villages, and hillsides. Each one of these parables is just a small glimpse of who God is and what the kingdom looks like. However, some of those people on the hillsides did miss what he was saying. In fact, the Pharisees were so sure they knew what the coming Messiah was going to look like, they had made their minds up that it didn't look like Jesus. In doing so, we see our next point. When we define what we think God should do, we may actually miss out on what he is doing. Those who were waiting for a Messiah in the kingdom of God were looking for something big, significant, and revolutionary. They wanted something that was obvious. They were looking for a legitimate earthly king who would upset the structure of balance and power. Their oppressive masters were pagans. They were waiting for a Messiah who would come and make the power system reverse and that now God's chosen people would rule over the pagans. They were looking for a king that would ride in with militant affairs. What they got was a guy who traveled the country with no place to lay his own head and compared himself to a farmer, to somebody who sowed seeds. As I mentioned earlier, seeds are something we spit out of our mouth so insignificant at times. However, Jesus chooses seeds as the way to explain how his kingdom works. When we're eating fruit or vegetable, it's no significant thing to us to just throw the seed or cut it out, throw the core away. But these insignificant things can grow up to be very significant things, very powerful things. As he told this story, he was inviting them and giving them a chance to understand what God was doing. Sadly, some of them would have had their minds made up to such a degree they missed out on what God was doing. There's something else that we see here. See, the Pharisees knew who the kingdom of God was for. They knew it was for the Jewish people, and they knew it was only the people that upheld the law. So for Jesus to be traveling with these vagabonds was wrong in itself. But as Jesus compares himself to a farmer, we also see this, that Jesus is saying God pours out his seeds everywhere. The farmer walks the hillsides and throws his seeds. He sows the seeds. Our last point is this. Our Heavenly Father pours out his goodness and his good news for everyone and anyone. For everyone and anyone. When Jesus tells a story to show how the kingdom of God works, he chooses to show it as a farmer who threw it everywhere. He threw it in the thorns, threw it on the bedrock, he threw it where he knew the birds would get it. He was willing to give the good news and the goodness of the kingdom everywhere and to anyone. How many of us who have a garden or farm purposely throw our seeds where we know it's not going to succeed? Not too many of us. In fact, if we saw a thorny area in our field or in our garden, we'd probably do everything to remove it. 
But Jesus being the loving and the gracious and the mercy-driven guy that he is, he willingly poured his seed out everywhere and his goodness everywhere. His invitation was large enough for everyone if they were willing to seek after him, if they were receptive to the message he gave in the parable. We serve a great God who is willing to pour his goodness and his good news for everyone, even if we're in the bedrock, even if we're in the thorns, we're in a place of no water. God is a great God who pours out his goodness on everyone. Calvinism is shot in the foot here. But we see that Jesus compares himself to a farmer who is willing to pour his seeds anywhere. We often like to become selective people and calculate where the best place is to invest our ministry and to invest our money and to invest our time and invest our ways of planting seeds of the kingdom. Jesus traveled everywhere and anywhere and reached out to everyone and anyone who was willing. He doesn't try to calculate where's the best place to seed. He's willing to pour it out on everyone. So do you hear what I hear? Jesus caught the knowledge and the power of the kingdom through its earthly representation, which was made up of unique and unusual vagabonds and broken people. I want to be like Jesus. We can build institutions that are successful. We can build churches that are large. We can present ourselves in the Sunday best. But if we ever disconnect ourselves from the broken people in our neighborhoods, and the vagabonds and the tr troubled people that we see every day, then we've disconnected ourselves from the very people Jesus chose to give the power and the knowledge of the vision of the kingdom through. By ever thinking we are better than somebody else, we've separated ourselves from the people God chose to do everything through. Do you hear what I hear? What's the soil of your heart? Jesus found creative ways to be intentional and missional to those around him. He told parables as a way to permanent kingdom to the surrounding culture. I want to be like Jesus. But I first must ask myself, how intentional am I about finding creative ways to present kingdom truth to those around me? How willing am I to live it out to everyone? Our churches are in decline. We are not even producing enough kids to replace the amount of people that are dying. Our churches are reaching an end of an era, especially in the Mennonite church. Pastor Bob shared some of those statistics last week. 87% of people who consider themselves atheists, according to a LifeWay statistic, said that they would inquire more about Jesus or come to church if they were invited. How intentional are we about living the kingdom creatively to those around us? If 83% of people would come to church if we invited them, why are we not inviting them? What is the soil of your heart? Do you hear what I hear? When we define who we think God is and what he should do, we may actually miss out on what he's doing. But I want to be like Jesus. I realize that in my own brokenness, sometimes I know who God is, and I can too easily define how I think he will move and what he will do. Sometimes I get comfortable with those ways. But as we see in, the old, in this parable, in these old stories, Jesus moves in new ways, ways that the Pharisees were not ready for. He moves in new styles 
and he compares himself to something they would have seen as insignificant. In fact, he doesn't only compare himself to that, he compares the whole kingdom of God to something meek, but something that's so meek it's subversively mighty. I realize that I sometimes can miss this. When we define who we think God is and what he should do, we may miss, actually miss out on what he's doing. I can be guilty of missing out what God is doing through new ways and new styles. But where is the soil of your heart? Do you hear what I hear? Our Heavenly Father pours out his goodness and good news for everyone. Jesus was the reality of this. I too want to be like Jesus. Sometimes I can be guilty of trying to decide where to plant my seed, where and how to produce the good news, and the areas in which I should limit and invest my knowledge of the goodness of the kingdom. Who are the people that I should share my testimony with? However, Jesus poured out his good news and his goodness for everyone. I need to ask myself, who is it that I'm actually not willing to invest in? Where is the soil of your heart? Do you hear what I hear? When Jesus explained the parable to his followers, he explained them the oppressive, he explained to them the oppressive forces that were affecting his telling of the kingdom and what he was doing. The thorns, the bedrock, the birds, these were all descriptive and creative realities of things that were affecting his missionary path. They were the things that were oppressing his kingdom work. Jesus names them, but he isn't deterred from them. Jesus doesn't let those realities change his goals, his future, his path. Those realities didn't slow his missional work. Jesus' anxiety doesn't overcome him and force him to calculate his seed tossing. He keeps on. We do not want to war or oppress the kingdom of God in the here and the now. We want to see the kingdom come. We do not want to stand in the way of the kingdom, and we don't want to let things stand in the way for us. These early missionary problems, Jesus names them in his story, but he doesn't let them affect him. He keeps on. His disciples asked him, why did you tell this story? I'm going to leave you with a version of this story from the message. I think it brings it up to uh, an understandability that we'll enjoy. His disciples asked him, why did you tell this story? He said, you have been given great insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. There are others who need stories. But even with stories, some of them aren't getting it. Their eyes are open, but they don't see a thing. Their ears are open, but they don't hear a thing. This story is about some of those people. The seed is the word of God. The seeds are on the road for those who hear the word. But no sooner do they hear it, then the devil snatches it away so they will not believe and be and believe and be saved. The seeds in the gravel are those who hear with enthusiasm, but enthusiasm doesn't go very deep. It's only another fad, and the moment there's trouble, it's gone. And the seed that fell in the weeds, well, they're the ones who hear, but then the seed is crowded out, and nothing comes of it as they go out their lives, worrying about tomorrow, making money, having fun. But the seed in the good earth, these are the good hearts who seize the word and hold on to it no matter what, undeterred. Sticking with it 
until there's a harvest. Jesus is calling us to prepare our hearts for his kingdom, but he also calls us to mirror his message. To understand who God is, these parables teach us that he is a God who pours out his goodness and good news on everyone. The seeds explain to us how he was bringing the kingdom, but also how the kingdom works. We never stop growing as followers of Jesus, as lifelong learners. Even as we continue to learn on our journey, Jesus sometimes just gives us a little parable or a little seed. It's how we deal with those little seeds as in our journey is how much we will understand the kingdom and who God is. Jesus is calling us to prepare our hearts for his kingdom and to mirror his message. In essence, when Jesus told this story, he was referencing a verse from the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes. Plant your seed in the morning. Don't let your hands rest on the evening. You don't know whether this field or that field will be profitable or whether both of them will turn out equally well. Jesus is doing the same thing. He poured his seeds out on all fields. As we are representations of the kingdom in the here and the now, let's not disconnect ourselves from the people Jesus brought the kingdom to originally, and let's not disconnect ourselves from the method in which he used. Do you hear what I hear? Are you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit through this story? When good soil is found, the fruit is several times bigger than the seeds were planted. We see that when the farmer sees his crop grow up, that in fact the fruit was so bountiful that it was way more bountiful than the amount of seeds that were produced in the good soil. God continually longs to pour out new advancements of his kingdom, new understandings of his kingdom to us. He tells it in the form of a seed. If we are willing to listen to those things, we can see and understand what God's doing. But if we define ourselves too rigidly on what God is and how he moves, we're going to miss out on everything that he's doing. And many people on that hillside that day missed out. I don't want to miss out on what God's doing, and I don't want our church to miss out on what God's doing either. And I don't think you guys do either. Let's use this story to realize that seeds are something we can look over so easily. They're insignificant. But it's the very way in which the kingdom moves. What small things in our congregation, in our neighborhood, are we missing that are really the kingdom of God breaking 